What up? Zinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80 Baby Podcast. If you're joining us again, we're, we're returning with our top five uh, influential albums. Uh, the previous episode was for myself. But now we're going to go through Yinka's top five. So if you need the instructions, go back and listen to the previous episode. But I'm going to go ahead and, and pass it to uh, pass it to Panama to, to, to host this one. Yeah. And uh, again, I'm very, it was very interesting learning about your the, the, the five most influential, which is a, it's an important distinction, right? Not yep. your five favorite albums, mm-hmm. but exactly. like the ones that actually influenced your musical taste, the way you listen to music. And, you know, Yinka mentioned in, in that previous episode that it would be two different sets of albums. And I, and that's real because I, I had to go through that exercise myself thinking about what songs influence the way that I listen to music now versus what albums are my go-tos. Which ones do I do I hit? So um, I'm very curious about what yours are going to be, Yinka. Oh, know, he's got I, it written yeah. down. Yeah, I, I wrote it down. So I'm I'm, right. I'm a cheat a little bit too. A couple couple of so a couple of of like I guess I'll say rounds are like there were two albums at a time that I just. I have the exact same feeling about, and we're from the same era, right? Okay. Okay. I so think the, I think I know what two so, of them are going to so be. So I'm gonna try to be I'm gonna try to be chronological like Wait, you and, can, and go through. Can we Can we guess? Yeah, go for it. I think the group together you're gonna have AT Aliens and Infamous for sure. Yes, wow. got one. All right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. Are those are your only guesses. Um, <laughs> Doggy Style. Wow. Okay. I was actually I was the Chronic. Okay. Wow. So okay, 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 I, okay. I was going with the weather. I feel like I feel like there was gonna be some. <laughs> there will be something in there. Okay. <laughs> there's got to be something right. from. There's got to be a. It's not gonna be a Bob James Nautilus, but there's gonna be something like. There's gonna be something like a like a soul a soul funk artist, maybe um, maybe something from the Ohio Players. No, close. Nope. All right. <laughs> All right, so I'm excited. Now. At least, at least I got one. At least I got one. You did. You got one. You nailed. You nailed that. Dude. Yeah. Like, I, boom. Because okay. I talk about it a lot on yeah, podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm actually surprised you didn't get this one. But my first one, and I'm gonna try to be chronological like you. Cool. So, cool, cool. So my first one is Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death. Hey. Um, and, and you know, right. and, and it's because you know, like like I said, right, or like you said, right, like. When you're a kid, you kind of listen to everything. I'm listening to everything that's on the radio. I don't. I, I don't really necessarily develop my own musical tastes or identity until Life After Death comes out. Right at that point in time, you know, "More Money, More Problems" is my favorite song. It's on the radio. I do it in the talent show. You know, like I'm. I'm loving. Me too. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right? So, so this is like my favorite song, and my parents are telling me that it's trash and you know whatever else. And this is trash, son. This is just this is just Diana Ross's song My all over again, right? Like, this is Diana <laughs> Ross. What are you I'm like, about? oh, yeah. Diana Ross. What is this? So then I go and I start I start to listen to Diana Ross and I start to listen to all the music that's around it, the disco and whatever. Um, but then you know, but then I start to listen to to records like I Love the Dough and and I start to listen to Last Day and then and you know then I become this big Locks fan and I'm 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 listening to all the musical collaborators. I'm listening to the production value. I'm starting to have my own musical tastes, right? Um, I'm learning about the storytelling that Big is doing on the album, you know, and it, so it's not just these radio singles, you know, but it's 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 all these different things. Um, and so I think you know that was probably my first light bulb moment to where I started to have my own musical tastes and identity. Yeah, listen, I I get it completely. I I I did not love Ready to Die when it first came out. Life After Death had me a hello. <laughs> Kicking the Door actually is that one song that I okay. get mad that Biggie's gone every time I listen to it. Because it's just like, 
every time I hear this goes out for those that choose to use disrespectful <laughs> views on the King and why I'm like, your brain is so you have a beautiful mind, bro. Like yes. I'm so mad right. about that. That so. that bar is dead in the middle of Little Italy before dead in the middle of Little yeah. Italy, right? Man, yeah, <laughs> like it was. It was just like so. Yeah, I completely get it, man. Right. When did you first listen to? You first li- listened to Live After Death at the time. Yeah. When it was released, oh man, right? like when because you know you also also you have to also realize right. So I. I moved to California in 96, Pac dies, right? Like right after I moved, right? Um, and then, and then, you know, 97, you know, we lose big, right? Um, and and so I'm I'm there. I remember when um when going back to Cali came out. You know what right. I mean? Cause like, like it was I'm, it's the height of like East Coast versus West Coast. We're losing our people, whatever. So all that drama is surrounding this. All of Big's music is on the radio. All of Pac's music is on the radio. And I'm like right in, in the middle of all. So I'm, I'm kind of envious to folks who were like brought on to these albums that, that, that I love at the time. Now, I listened to Life After Death when it came out because my father, my brother was playing it. But I didn't, I, you know, I think I was in middle school. I think I was in eighth grade or something like that. And so my... I didn't really understand everything yet. It was just kind of like, well, like if I like the beat and it, and it sounds catchy, like it's cool. I wasn't where I needed to be yet. And so like, I didn't really get into life after death until years later. So it sounds like, yeah, you're like, so you had your light bulb moment, not only before I did, but when you were younger than I was. And for you to then get on on the wave of all this other like really good music at the time, I'm kind of uh, kind of envious about that. I mean, look, I've had my own musical journey. You have yours, obviously. I'm just... You know, look, I, I love Life After Death. Obviously, it's... Do I like it? Yeah, I think I do like it more than Ready to Die. But I love Ready to it's Die, so too. It's so good, man. It's, it's so, so good. good. And it's so good. You know, I was 17 mm. when when Pac dies and 17 when Biggie dies. Right? Yeah. Like, I, this is literally... Oh, yeah, Gemini. So I'm I'm yeah. right in I'm right in there when it's happening. Like, I, my father's actually one that told me that Biggie passed. I walked downstairs to get ready for school. My dad's like... That rapper, uh, the the big one, uh, the you know, big one. Biggie, Biggie Smalls, you know, he died. And I remember being crushed. Now, mind yeah. you, um, I went through this with Pac because, you know, and I'm from down south. So, you know, Pac is like, <laughs> Pac might as well, Pac might as well have been from Atlanta or wherever, you know, <laughs> the way we viewed him. So that was already crushing for Biggie to die too. Like in real time, like I remember going to school just like crushed that day, man. We were like, that's all anybody could talk about in the hall. You would have thought that somebody that went to school with us passed away. And which is interesting because we were we were down south. I'm in Alabama at this time. And we, you know, we've had people like classmates of mine did pass away, you know, for various reasons. And I remember like we just all be like sitting in the hallway, whatever. Um, so when that album comes out and we're all bumping, listening to it, like it was like the saddest, like missing you. I mean, like something like missing you and stuff. Like it was just like the saddest thing ever, man. It was just a bunch of that's a lot of trauma for like 17 year old kids. Like it doesn't seem because of like people we don't know and it's just right. music, but yeah. that joint really hit. Oh, I remember man. that hit really hard. Yeah. Um for us. And it's weird. I was I was still, you know, I'm in middle school, so I'm still I'm still kind of youngish. Like I think the people who like when Aaliyah passed and I was in high school, you know what I mean? Like the people who passed when I was in high school when closer to your age were more impactful because I understood the world more. Um, but you know, I and you know, Outlaw likes to make fun of me about it. But you know, I was I was I was heavily in the bad boy camp at the time, right? So like, <laughs> take I like, and, and they that. had you know, they had these hype Williams music videos, and the million dollar budgets, driving shiny backwards. Were, it's suits, an experience, all, man. Bad yeah, boy experience. And so, and so when you're a kid and you're into these flashy things, you know, I'm into all these flashy things. But then Big is just so good that eventually 
you can move past the flashy things and you just realize how amazing what you're listening to is, you know? So, um, so you know, and, and I, I, I wasn't rapping yet at this time. I'm just, I'm just taking all this in like, wow, this is amazing. So that's my number one. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to go chronological. My next is actually kind of a, a, a cheat code, but it, it opened the world up for me. And that's, you know, I start to buy these compilations so that I can understand the the, the field, right? Because I'm because I'm like, who are the who are the, the most amazing people? So I have two kind of compilations that I I bought at the same time, and they just completely opened my musical world. So one was called Cali Kings. I talk a lot about. I remember that one? I, I talk Posted a lot by, about by Sway and Tech. Nah, this was um uh the Baker Boys, ah, Nick, okay. Nick V and uh okay. yeah. So so and I'm I'm about to I'm about to go on here and, and get the track listing for y'all. So you know so I understand so. Um, the Beat Nuts off the books is on here. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with's on here. Uh, Snoop Dogg, it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Uh, Mac Ten Ice Cube, uh, only only in California. Timbaland and Magoo, love to love you's on here. So they got uh, stuff from different times. Yeah, different Jurassic areas. Five is on here. Uh, Dilated Peoples is on here. Ice Cube, Black Eyed Peas, Master P, Most Def, uh, Universal Magnetic, Ice Cube, Cameron, KRS One, wow. Wu Tang Clan, Rakim. Um, and Liquid Crew. So, I, you know, I mean, I think this was like, this was, there was 27 tracks. It was mixed by, you know, the Baker Boys who were like one of our foremost, you know, yeah. like I remember that mi night, yeah. mixed tandems on the, on the, on the radio. And I mean, th this, they attempted to kind of touch all the different regions with one compilation. Um, and I loved, I loved so much on this album. I listened to this album all the time. Um, and the other compilation was uh, the Source Hip Hop Hits 97. Okay. So that was the, the that was the first time I ever heard Triumph, and I'll oh, I'll okay. never forget hearing Triumph, and just sitting there like, what the fuck am I listening to? Like, <laughs> like the, the, there's like there's these niggas are rapping forever. This song is eight minutes long, nine minutes long, and it's just like just rap verse after rap verse. There's no hook. Like, what am I listening to? I don't understand. Um, and so like you know these two compilations like just really opened my like musical palette because I. You know, I'm living in California, so I've got Bad Boy and then, like, all this Cali shit, right? West Side Connection and Tupac and whatever, Snoop Dogg, whatever. Everybody's listening to The Chronic. And so, like, these compilations opened my mind to, like, what everything was. You gotcha. know, kind of similar to that Source article you talked about where you're, you know, they tell you, like, Blaze. The, or, okay, yeah, yeah, the greatest yeah, MCs, yeah. right? And yeah, you're, like, exactly, you're like, who yeah. are these guys? Okay, I'm going to do my own research mm -hmm, and try to find mm -hmm. out about this. No, I get it. So, that, that that that's why those are are next week. Definitely a cheat code, but I think that makes sense. Like I <laughs> I get in in those were all hot songs at the time, so it would definitely I mean put you on put you on game. And I also remember the first one, Wu Tang Forever came out on my birthday in '97, June 3rd, '97. So I'll, I will never forget that day. I bought it, even though I wasn't a Wu fan. I still bought the album. And I still I remember hearing Triumph too. Like what what is this? I was like, it, dude, I still think Dex verses top ten greatest verses of oh, all yeah. for sure for sure. So, oh, I was gonna say just to touch on the triumph real quick. I, I think I saw the video first, and I knew who Wu Tang Clan was, but like I just knew the name, right? And I was like, "Is that old dirty bastard on the?" Because I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is "Bees flying around, right? What is going what the, on? What it was the a fuck lot is happening. this? Right? That this is before I was a Wu Tang Clan fan. So, when, yeah. so real quick, when, when my brother puts in you know Thirty Six Chambers, I'm like, I don't really want to listen to this. So <laughs> anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but um, and the only other thing I'll say is that that Cali Kings joint introduced me to Big Pun. 
Mm, um, okay. They had Off the Books was on there. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the way they mixed it, they didn't play the whole song. They just played just Pun's verse. So you just hear, hey, yo, it's all love. And love's got a big nine to pop. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, he's. Pun is, is amazing. He's one of my favorites. He was. The, yeah. the compilation disc for me probably would have been uh, Funkmaster Flex Volume 3. Okay, we, yeah, we yeah, 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 for sure. Um, for sure. And I forgot why. I think I got that just because it was like, oh, Funkmaster Flex, that's the name. So I'm like, I know some of these artists. They're cool. Uh, I happen to love that one. But yeah, uh, kind of the, especially at that time for, for someone our age who's trying to branch or, or, or trying to get as much hip-hop knowledge as they can, the compilation disc is definitely a good Yeah, look. and I did the same, right? I bought the Flex for the same reason you did, and I and I loved it as well. But these were the two compilations that like, you know, started me. And then then from there, I was buying all, I bought all of the Beat Junkies shit. And then that got me right. into Stone's Throw. And I bought all the Stone's Throw compilations. And then, you know, so I was just buying everything, trying to figure out what was going on, buying the magazines. Like I was into it. Stone's Throw does not get nearly enough enough love. It's very, very For time sure. specific, but man, I, right, I love, right. I love me some Stone's Throw records. For sure. So, all right. So my, my next one um, is the one the Outlaw guest. Got, right? so, got So, got you know, Outcast, AC Aliens, and Mob Deep, the Infamous. Um, and so, I mean, I've, I've said this mad times on the podcast. I, I kind of discovered these albums around the same time, uh, but they they met me where I was in that you know I was I was angry. <laughs> um, I was you know this is a time frame you know so you, you skip a class you 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 getting in fights you you know whatever right and these two albums I guess kind of made me help me understand the world. Um, I think, you know, when you're like an angry teenager and shit, like you, <laughs> you feel like nobody understands you, right? And these two albums narrated what, like, what I was experiencing in a way that I probably could not have communicated. When did you listen to these albums? Like, when did you discover them? Yeah, so it probably would have been like maybe around 99-ish. Yeah, now, 98, 99. Infamous comes out, was 95. that 95? Yeah, 95? yeah, yeah. And, so they were uh, old albums. And, so. and ATL is 96. So was it... <sighs> Refresh my memory. Was it Equimini that made you go back and listen to AT Aliens? Correct. And then what made you go back and listen and to And then Infamous? I want to say it might have been um, uh, Murder Music that that that, that comes made out me later though, doesn't it? Ninety nine, right? That's probably that's probably wrong. That's probably Is it, right. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. because okay. So so Hell on Earth. It's ninety seven. So, so Hell on Earth was on was on that ninety seven compilation. Got it. Got it. But okay, I, okay, I okay. still don't think when I heard the the hip hop hits ninety seven, I still don't think I went back to the Infamous yet. Gotcha. I think it, it still took me more time. So. Okay. But yeah, they, these two albums, man, like, I always call them like the, the angel on my shoulder and the devil on my shoulder. Like, like, Prodigy narrated all of the, the fucked up shit, the fights, everything that was going on that was I was probably not supposed to be doing. He was narrating everything in terms of that experience. Um, and then Andre was just so con contemplative that I feel like all of the, the emotions and the things that were going on that were like more introspective, um, Andre was narrating them. To me, so you know these two albums, man. Like, I just, I just have such a personal connection to to both albums for that reason. Nah, that's. I mean, you know, look, AT Aliens is definitely on my list of my, my most influential for my own personal life. I still remember where I was when I heard uh, Elevators the first time, like literally where I was when I heard it, because I heard it in real time when they played that joint on the radio, and it was just like, what the fuck am I listening to? Right. Like, this is the strangest thing, but most <laughs> amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um. I was late to the infamous. I was late to a lot of East Coast rap. Okay. I mean, that's that's probably my life story. Like when it comes to hip hop, <laughs> I, I was late. College too. is when yeah. I got because one of my best friends is a from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but he was a heavy 
East Coast head. Like, I thought he was from New York when I met him. Okay. And he was a huge Mob Deep fan. I eventually got back to it, and that's when, like, my whole, like, the infamous, easily one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. Oh, like, yeah. I, if people tell me that they think that's the greatest hip-hop album, I don't even argue with them. Like, I'm like, you know what? You can have that. I'm, it's not even worth debating. Right. And I've, I've said here on, in here before, that I, I still believe Prodigy should have been one of the goats of hip-hop. Yeah. He's, he he should doesn't have, agree. I don't agree with he that. He should do it. Yeah. What he did on, on the infamous, oh I mean, I, I'm... Like I'm only 19, but my mind is older, dude. Like just the way that the way that he rapped was so perfect to me on that album. Um, start chasing money, you try to rap different. They start, you know. But I, I will, yeah. I will I always mean, be indebted to to to. to I've always said if if I you know if I'm cast away and I can only bring five albums, the Infamous is definitely one of the five. Look, everybody who has a respect for New York rap at some point gets sucked into Mob Deep's The Infamous. Like you just and you, you, you have you, to. It's yeah, so have beautiful. To. It's impossible. It's, it's not a to. beautiful album. Yeah. Like it, and it's yeah. and it's it's so it's so dark that yeah. saying the word beautiful, it, it sounds weird, but it's to me it's beautiful. It's it's dark, but it's also kind of colorful too. Yeah. yeah. It works. And I will say, so this is this is some VSB history here. That was the one article when Prodigy passed away, Damon decided to write the article about because Damon is a huge mob deep fan. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, obviously. And I came this close to being like, nah, I got I to gotta be one. Like, I came this close. <laughs> and I almost decided I was going to just write another article. I was like, no, we only need one. We don't need yeah. multiple. But that was the one where I was like, I, I'm going to let you have this one. But this, this is really killing me that I don't get to, <laughs> that I don't, that I don't get to pay homage to, yeah. to, to one of the goats. Man, for sure. All, All right. right. So number four is, is where, you know, my, my taste kind of starts to diverge. Um, and so uh, this is a, another, another hyphen. But... Uh, Sean Paul Stage One, okay, and, okay, and, and Black Chinese CD Killer. Uh, wait, who? Um, so Black Chinese were these DJs, these half Jamaican, half Asian DJs that um, we were huh. brothers, and they would basically make these mixtapes where they would take the hottest hip hop hits, and they would get um, they would get Jamaican artists like dancehall artists oh, gotcha. to do dub plates on top of these hip hop hits. Okay. So, uh, Black Chinese CD Killer Volume 5, it came out around the same time that I, I got Sean Paul Stage 1. So, shout out to my cousin. I was I was living in Brussels at the time. And, you know, similar to like like what Outlaw was saying, I wasn't in love with everything that was going on with, with hip-hop. Like, I kind of was like, eh, it was okay. Um, I also was living in, in Europe and going to private school. So, I didn't have anybody to talk hip-hop with. Uh, the, the albums that were coming out were difficult for me to get. I had to da- get somebody to download them, burn them, whatever, right? So I kind of wanted something new. And, you know, my cousin, I'm, my cousin comes to visit and he and he has this this Sean Paul CD, you know, and he's just, he's, we get in his car yeah, and we're driving. Rose. And yeah, the leather yeah, jacket. exactly. <laughs> Bald-headed Sean Paul. Yeah. Deport them, Sean Paul. I have that, that. The album is fire, bro. Is. So, so I get the, this album. The, 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 Oh, the Portham, Portham is on is there. On the, um, yeah, yeah, the, uh, um, but the other one isn't. The um, I forget the gal. Oh, but it excite me. Da, 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 da. No, excite me isn't it's on not on there. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. it should be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so I um I, I get this album and I'm sitting I'm sitting in my cousin's car, and and I'm just like mesmerized by this, right? Like I'm like because I'm a DJ at the time, and so I'm just like this is exactly <laughs> that album. <laughs> I'm like, and and I'm like, this is literally like the most, this, this is the this most album. danceable shit that I've ever heard in my life. Like, yeah. like, and I'm like, and I, and I think I was also mesmerized because I didn't understand Patois at the time. 
So I'm trying to understand like what he's saying and I'm, I'm catching little bits of phrase phrasing, but I'm not understanding everything that he's saying. So, you know, my, I'm riding with my cousin this whole weekend and he's, he's, he's bumping this, this, this album every time we get in the car. And so I'm like, yo, where can I get this album from? And he's like, you want it? And he just gives it to me. So I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm listening to this album over and over and over and over again. And, and, and at the time, like, I'm not really familiar with Dancehall. The yeah. only song that I knew really was Sim Sima by, by, by uh, you know, Beanie Man. Because yeah. it would come on the radio, right? Yep. But I didn't really know shit about dancehall. So I just like, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like, where, where do I find more of this? Mm -hmm. And then I go to this, this summer program and there was a kid from the Bahamas. And, and, and he's like, he would, see, he would come to my, my, my little dorm room and I would be playing this, this Sean Paul CD. And he's like... Yeah, we don't really fuck with that guy in the in the, in the Caribbean like that, <laughs> right? And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah, he does dance hall, but like he does dance hall for white people. Like, you know, we we listen to like other artists, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, Beanie oh, well, well, who's good? Sizzler. You know, he's like, Bouncy Killer's good. I'm like, yeah. He's like, here, listen to this, and he gives me Black Chinese CD Killer Volume Five, and it's all the people I'm supposed to be listening to on all the beats I'm already listening to. So. Um, they had like Beanie Man over um, over MOP Annie Up. They had like you know Beanie Man over um, Sorry Miss Jackson by by Outkast. You know, so it's like crazy. It, they had they had like um, Southern Hospitality Looter, one of these Looter records, but like Bounty Killer on it. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm learning about all these artists with beats that I already love, right? Like I'm already familiar with. So then, so then at this point, I. <laughs> If you, you remember Audio Galaxy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of so uh, Audio yeah. Galaxy, Kazaa, like all these things are out. So I'm getting off of school, like, like, and I'm going home, and I'm just, I'm just downloading everything I can get from the artists that are on CD Killer. Mm -hmm. So I become a Bounty Killer fan. I become a Beanie Man fan. I become, you know, anything I can get my hands on. Morgan Heritage, you know, like I'm going all the way down. I'm becoming like a huge dance hall, huge, you know, roots, you know, reggae fan. So I probably only listened to reggae like my, my senior year. Like I'm, you know, just all Jamaican music. I'm super duper into it. So that's why you you probably noticed when when I came to UVA, like one of the main things I was known for was being this DJ that played dance hall. Like right. I would play all these Sean Paul songs and all this stuff at the parties because like I I got really, really, really into this stuff. Yeah. Now when we used to DJ together, that was your segment. You did all the dance hall. Right, right, right. So that was my my thing. That's really interesting. I'm actually wondering now. Okay, so I'm in college in 97 to 2001 in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. This is like the Wild West on the radio in Atlanta at this point. Like okay. um, pirate radio. V103. Well, it's just like the radio, the, the, I don't know if there were just no program managers. They just got to do what they wanted to. <laughs> but this but was radio when Luda was, was there, right? Yeah, yeah. So Luda was on, Luda was on, um, Luda was on 97. So Hot 97, our Hot 97, which is now like 1079, whatever. I want to say, it just had gotten started like a couple years before then, okay. and it turned into like the the anti V one hundred three, right? V one hundred three was the establishment radio station. They played the the R and B and some hip hop, whatever. But ninety seven nine or ninety seven five, I can't remember. If, I want to say it's ninety seven nine was like the hip hop. Like that's what we was listening to. That's where Chris Love Love and Poon Daddy yeah, and all these right, people were exactly. on. Ryan Cameron in the morning and stuff like that. Like uh -huh. all these people, and they used to play so much of that kind of stuff. So uh -huh. that's where I actually discovered dancehall for real. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up with any of that stuff right, at all. Right. I never really heard it uh -huh. until I got to college and I'm in Atlanta and the radio is like blasting this nonstop. And this is before you know we're all listening to the radio at this time. This is you get in the car and it's all you're listening to. 
And I would hear all kind of stuff like that, like songs over, over, to, yeah, like, like, like reggae, like reggae vocals over beats uh-huh. and stuff. And I'm like, man, these guys are amazing. Like, right. they're doing all this amazing stuff. Yeah. But it did change the way that I listen to music because then we would go to the clubs and I'd be wanting to hear that stuff, right? Because it, it was danceable, but like that, the, um, the speech cadence right. was so musical exactly. and so, like, exactly. it just gets you moving. You know what I You're mean? You're right. And that's crazy. Like, I feel like, you know, just even just the way Jamaican people talk, like 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 patois is just so musical. Like you said, it just it just rolls off the tongue. It sounds so ill, and it didn't even matter. Like one of the things that was also mind blowing to me about the Sean Paul album was that like he would have a verse, right? Like he'd have like an eight or twelve bar verse, and then the second verse would be the same verse. So he would do the hook. Hook would be a huge hook. And then he would go back to the same verse, and like, and it, it happened a lot. It happens a lot on yeah, stage one. Sean right? Paul, yeah, yeah Sean Paul, and like, and like, it's it's actually a device that happens a lot in it, in dance hall. It'd be like right? A B A, it'd be yeah, like two yeah. verses, and the third one is like a repeat. And then the it'd be one, like, yeah. or the third verse would be like like a, a bridge or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the 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 musical structure was so different. First of my heart, Shaka Demon Suppliers. Uh, Murder She Wrote. Yeah, I used to love that song. So that's one. Yeah. Like I remember when that, they used to play that video on. I don't even know what they were playing it on. I don't know if it was, it couldn't have been on Rap City, maybe VH1, whatever it was. Mm. I remember Shaka Demon Suppliers because that mm. Murder She Wrote song. Right. Uh, mm. I bought the album and they had like the, <laughs> they had like a, another version that was just singing. Like it uh-huh. wasn't the, you heard a little girl. Right, 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 right. Which I then discovered this is old. Like it's amazing how much See, these songs the, open up too. You're that, just like, man, these are old that's ass the, songs. That's the other thing that I kind of quote unquote discovered and now I'm, I'm Columbusing, but you know, <laughs> it was like, was, <laughs> was the whole, the whole concept of just like rhythms. Yeah. And how like, you know, yep. you'd hear a song and you'd be like, this beat is amazing, but I wish I could hear someone else on it is how I feel about hip hop today all the time. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, no, but there's 10 more versions of this song. And you right. can hear whoever your favorite artist is. You get to hear them over every beat you love. Bro, Sister it's- Nancy, Bam Bam. I <laughs> oh thought that was an original. And then you find out this is a remake. Now, it's, hers is my favorite. Uh, that is one of my favorite songs. It is. Likewise. But- the original is a, a Static 47 by yeah. um, Winston uh-huh. Riley. Is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Something I think like that. that. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I dug yeah, into that, yeah. and I'm like, man, I didn't realize I I didn't realize that this was it's, it's not a remake. It's yeah, just yeah. An, an alternate version, like yeah. a bunch of alternate versions of these things, just updated. And you know, the other thing that I'll say is, right, these are my these are my my days of being a DJ, my early ish days of like being a DJ and trying to get out there. And I think you know the the concept of being an open format DJ is big now, right? Like you can go to a party with Jasonic, or you can go to a party with Jerome, or like one of these cats. And they can play whatever the fuck they want to. They might play, they might play a you know Ashley Simpson song in the middle of their set, and then go back to Future. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they can be all over the place. But back then, D- DJing was like very predictable and very formulaic, right? Like you you had to when you, you came to the party, you had to play these five Little John songs that everybody loves, and you know, and R. Kelly was big at the time, and the Jay Z, like it was. It was very predictable what records you were going to play. Yeah. What Dance Hall allowed me to do was people didn't know most of those songs, but they right. liked the groove. So, you know, as long as I played like Deport Them and maybe one other record, because people didn't speak Patois and they didn't re- they weren't really familiar with it, I could play whatever the fuck I wanted. Right. So like I I, I enjoyed DJing Dance Hall more than I enjoyed DJing hip hop because it was more open format. I could do creative things and play things that people had never heard before and they would embrace it. Yeah, the interesting thing about um, the rhythms in particular is just how like 
two songs with the same beat can actually sound entirely different. Like yeah. Deport Them sounds nothing like Bookshelf to me. Right. You know, like these are two, and like the underwater rhythm mm -hmm. with like uh, what's the one with the big sucky, fat fish, sucky ducky, oh, big sucky fat fish, and then excite yeah. me, right? Yeah, excite like, me. So different. none of these songs sound yeah, like the Wally rhythm was exactly. one that the guy used. The Wally, to, it was like yeah. everybody was on that joint. They made like <laughs> three thousand different sounding songs <laughs> with that joint. I I bought the stage the Sean Paul stage one, and I uh -huh. forgot why I bought it. I okay. forgot which song it was. It might have been uh -huh. Deport Them, and I think I got it because at the time, um, you know, when that scene in Belly when they go to Jamaica, and yeah, the car, right? yeah. It's like, this beat is this beat is incredible. Like, what the fuck is this beat? And I had heard Sean Paul Deport Them, so I was like, oh, that's the beat. And uh -huh. when I go back and listen to the movie, I'm like, but that's not Sean Paul on there. Like, what's going on? My first, I think, experiences with dancehall in a contemporary sense were actually my brother. Yo, shout out to Adrian for real. This dude listened to everything in high school. Like he listened to alternative rock. He listened to hip hop. He listened to go go. Like has go go CDs. Mm -hmm. Has dancehall CDs. Like he had all this shit. I don't even think he realized just how expensive his his, his musical <laughs> mind was. Right? If you think if you think my musical mind is expensive now, like. Uh -huh. Adrian was probably more ahead of this time than he realized. Like it's it's crazy. <laughs> I was dope. And so he got like the reggae gold and the reggae yeah, platinum, yeah, right? Like yeah, it's all about Rami. Like all that yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. And then, you know, be, so I'm kind of familiar with Beanie Man and then the the art and life comes out, which is a, a yeah. really, really dope. I'm not saying the whole album is dope, yeah. but the shit that's dope it's on there is. It's actually low-key an underrated album. The 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 the, the Neptune's joints yeah. on there. Um and the, the the joint with Maya, and so like I'm, I'm that's kind of where I get into and get into the dance hall. But like I I don't know, I it's weird because I that that stage one definitely uh, sat with me for a while. And I think when I got to to to, to UVA, it's so weird because like I feel like my my biz, biggest exposure to to New York comes from UVA mm. because all my best friends, especially first year, they're all from New York. Right, right. You know what I mean? And so you know. They were the ones who were educating me about like rhythms and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And they were the ones that like, I mean, Sean Paul, like, yeah, that uh, shake that thing, like, it's cool, and we love, we love the video and stuff. And I'm like, we're gonna rock with this, but really, we want that Elephant Man, we want that Bounty Killer, we want that Beanie, uh, right. Mr. Vegas, like, we want all of right. that stuff. And I don't even remember who this chick was, but shout out to her. I was talking to some some <laughs> little, little girl, and she was Jamaican, and, and you know, I was like, oh yeah, I, lo I love this CD, and she's like. We don't listen to Sean Paul, <laughs> and and then and then old boy, you know, from from the Bahamas said the same thing. He's like, "Oh, that's like that's like dance hall for white people." But but shout out to them just because it made me go, oh, "Okay, so if this isn't what I'm supposed to like, then mm -hmm. what am I supposed to like?" Right. So then I yeah. wanted to go and hear this this shit that's actually supposed to be good, right? Yeah. Um, Plus, it also sucks to be white people. Because when you listen to the stuff and you like it, like, damn, I'm white people now? Like, I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, damn, I'm the white people because I really right, right. this, right? Like, right. we all love Sean Paul. Like, his record sales illustrated that. It's, like, it's hilarious that you say that because some of the music that we say is for white people be the best shit. Like, like the Beatles are actually good. You you yeah. you don't agree with that, but, but it's I, like, I, I, have some, like <laughs> I have a lot of black friends who love to push back on me about that. And I'm like, I, I I engage with them, but I'm also like you. I you guys clearly don't know their entire catalog. Yeah. Like I just know that they don't. That's but true. like, but I'm like, not, I'm that guy. But I, like, I don't know that Bob Marley is yeah. actually good. Phil Collins is actually good. Like the shit that we oh, say oh, is yeah, like yeah. just well, super mainstream and for white people. Some of it is actually really good. No, but that well, uh, Bob Marley's unfair though because Bob Marley is. <sighs> Everybody this, this likes is a side Bob Marley. Conversation. He's probably considered <laughs> but, one of the greatest artists I, ever. Anyway, so for sure, so for sure. so okay so. Side conversation, right? I don't know what we're going to do with this, but 
Billboards recently came out with their top 10 artists of all time list. You guys seen this shit? It's ridiculous. I didn't see that. Um, somehow, somehow Janet Jackson made the list above her brother, which makes no sense, right? right. Well, you, I mean, this, I'm the one that argued that her albums are better than Mike's albums, so. All right. That's why we love you, Panama. <laughs> I, I, I wrote a whole article arguing that. So, but like Madonna was on the list above Michael and I was like, well, maybe it's because I mean, she I, has... I do think it's crazy. I just want to go for the record. I do think it's crazy that, that anybody would be above Michael Jackson. Except possibly maybe like somebody like the Beatles. Well, like like the Beatles, the Beatles, Elton John, Elvis. Say Prince. I wouldn't say Prince, but some people. Beatles, Elton John, uh, uh, Elvis, I think all sold more than Michael. But Michael has sold more than, than Madonna. But it's, it's, it's by like 100 million. But it's also like when you see, when you see the next one after Madonna, it's kind of like not all that big of a deal. But I thought maybe she sold more because she just had more music. And they had some weird justification, whatever. But it, it got me thinking, and we were talking about this whole thing, but it got me thinking about Bob Marley, right? Because... Was he number one? No, no. Bob Marley wasn't even on the list. They were, they were, it was, <laughs> the it was Billboard's list. So Billboard's is by oh. Billboard charts, oh, right? Oh, it's right. a chart list. Right, right, okay, right, right. got it, but got it. <clears throat> economy, look, when you do these things, I think two things need to be taken in, in, in consideration. One, how are you defining great? And how are you defining artist? Like, I think these are two very, very unique, clear definitions on these, right? But the thing about Bob Marley that's so interesting is that he is an artist who I think is universally loved around the world, right? I can't think of one cultural group. Yeah, everybody loves maybe, him. Maybe, everybody loves Bob maybe Mexicans don't like Bob Marley. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You're Mexican Bob like Bob Marley, bro. Yeah. I, I, what I'm saying is I don't know. smoke weed too, bro. <laughs> everybody. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. My, my point right, is right. I can't think of any cultural groups who don't, who don't like this artist. He was also an artist who made music that was very, very pro-black. And not pro-black as in like an anti-anything else. It was just a very much like this is us and our people. And yet to see a music that is embraced like univer like for universal peace to like the, the people who have who've given it all these accolades kind of tried to strip the blackness from it. Oh, hell yeah, they do. Kind of makes it so that like all like the love things you talk about, like, oh, these aren't black themes. These are these are universal human themes, yeah. and which kind of like takes the blackness from it in, yeah. in a way. But it's it's just a like he, I can't think of any other artist that that, that that can do that. That it's just so universally play, praised, and yet was also so very black. And yet when I got into Bob Marley, it wasn't even because of the blackness aspect of it. And then you learn more, and you're like, nah, like this is our dude. This is our music. These are our themes. You know what I mean? But like, I don't. Well, it's, just, I think it's just so with, weird. I, well, I think with Bob Marley, it's easy to do to get away from the blackness because his 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 songs don't specifically say that, right? right. Like it's chase those crazy ball right. heads. If you don't know what he's talking about, right. it's just like oh, this it's is a nice political song. because of the time it comes out and the environment that he's in. But if you don't know that, you just right. listen to it. You listening to it just sounds like you know, get up, stand up for your rights. Like yeah, you know, we yeah, just let's do it. You know, yeah, I don't exactly. want to wait in vain. You know, like it just it just right. these these songs sound like universal message songs, which you know typically that's how you reach the most amount of people. It's just that we, when you act, if you do a little bit of digging, I think you would you would uncover the political end of all this stuff. And, and you know, and it. I think the the way he's able to do this is because of his. I talk a lot about like like song arranging, right? It's one of the reasons why I love the Beatles so much. I think that they, I think the people who sleep on the Beatles underestimate just how good they were at arranging not just their their songs but their albums, right? But nevertheless. But Bob Marley is is an not is not only is he just an amazing, brilliant lyricist. He's also 
probably one of the greatest songwriters and not just from the lyrics, but like the music and how these things are structured. It's just like, it's something that's like so kind of simple, but also just pure fucking genius, right? Anyway, that's just my little tangent about Bob Marley. We don't even have to put this in here, but <laughs> I just wanted to have that little conversation real quick. So all good. So get, get I, I got num- one more. number five for Yinka. I got one more. Um, and I'm actually surprised that neither of y'all uh, guessed this, but uh, Raphael Sadiq instant. Vintage. Oh, I should have got that. I, eventually, I would have got one. it. You, you even right. said that when we yeah. started having this conversation. When I asked yeah. about like albums that influenced your music, or I should have yeah, got that. You that's mentioned true. that. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, instant vintage. Um, I will never forget. Where I was the first time I heard Raphael Sadiq Instant Vintage, um, I was sitting in front of my computer. Uh, this was like like the time frame I was talking about, where I'm I'm downloading all these dance hall albums and all these dance hall artists, all their songs and everything. And um, you know, you're, you're you're online and you 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 we we used to like also you would like download albums and burn them and try to sell them in school and shit like that. So like you know you might see a you might see a name that you recognize. And then, you know, you, you you download it. I remember Rafael Sadiq's name because he had done something with DJ Quick. And I, I don't even think it was Let's Get Down. I think it was something, it was, it was he did something on um, like Balance and Options or one of those random obscure DJ Quick, you know, well, not obscure, but, you know, obscure to, to folks that aren't into that. So anyway, I knew Rafael Sadiq's name. And I knew, I think I might've known that he was in Tony, 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 but, you know, didn't really know too much about him. And so I, I download this album and the first song comes on and you know it's, it's got it's got scratches it's got hip-hop drums it's got crazy lush layered string instrumentation and it's i'm got, just like got dj sway oh yeah sway yeah <laughs> talk about gospel you know it's talking about his family history and you know and and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, like that moment, like my mind is just blown. And I'm I'm tuned in. I listen to the whole thing start to finish, sitting in front of a computer, just it coming out of computer speakers. And I'm like, oh, oh, nah, 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 nah. I have to hear this somewhere else. You know, so I take it and I, you know, burn it and I'm I'm in my room just listening to it. D- d- the combination of the string arrangements, which I've told you, I love. I love strings. I, I played the violin when I was in elementary school. I, I I'm, I'm super into. Yeah, I'm just learning this today. <laughs> super into, into orchestral arrangements and strings and all that. So, so the strings, the, the, the bass lines, the, the bass that was played there, because you know he's, he's, he's a, a bass player. Yeah. Um, you know the, uh, the even. The, the songwriting was was, was, was all right. It was, it was okay. He's not a great but, songwriter. Yeah, but he but said, the, he'll tell you that too. He'll right, tell you that, right. That. But I mean, just the the combination of the hip hop drums, which were so accessible to me, and then all of the crazy stuff that was going on with the instrumentation and the the vocal arrangements and everything, I was blown away. And it like then it it, it made Rafael Sadiq become like my favorite artist. Like I had to go back and I had to hear everything Tony Tony Tony. I had to hear. Angie Stone, because she was on the album, and you know D'Angelo, who I was already familiar with, and et cetera. When did you get into Lucy Pearl's album? After that. So, so, uh, so, yeah, I heard, I heard Instant Vintage around the time probably that it came out. I think that was an O2 album. O2, maybe. yeah, yeah. We're gonna yeah do and a it was my senior year of, of high school. We're, we're gonna um, do a tribute to that. We're gonna have high school. Got to. And man, when I heard that album, I mean, it was, it was life changing for me. I had, I had to go, go get Lucy Pearl. And it's funny because my uncle back in LA. He had Lucy Pearl. He had the Lucy Pearl album, and he would bump it, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, son, you know." He he had all these albums, and he knew I was into music, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, son, if you want, you want like you can have this album or borrow this album or whatever." And I was like, "Lucy Pearl, you know, I'm good." 
But then, you know, after hearing it's the vintage, I'm like, damn, I should have, I should have got that. I would have been super into it. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Totally get it. I actually have a. I downloaded the Instant Vintage album when I was a, a graduate assistant at the University of Maryland. So I used their computer service to download music. <laughs> right. And funny story, I downloaded it in the wrong order. Mm. Now the only now the last uh, what's the last song? The me Can you hear me? Uh, the, the 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 like the song that has like three different movements to it. Yeah, the, yeah, the final yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, some Can You Hear Me? Some um, I can't believe I can't. Either called. way. The version mm. that I have, which which was out of sequence, that sounded so much better to me than the actual release. Uh, like oh, I, really? I, I I stumbled accidentally into what I determined was a better sequencing on the album, <laughs> but I can't find the burn CD that I have of it, okay. and it frustrates me so much because I want to play that that version. So it Sky, mine doesn't. Can open, you feel Sky, me? can you feel yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mine doesn't open up the same way that that album does. In fact, on my version, that's like halfway through the album. Like that comes in like halfway through the album, but anyway, yeah, I I, I love Instant Vintage. Um, man, I I love Raphael Sadiq, Lucy Pearl. That is still one of my favorite albums. I love my Raphael God, Sadiq. That album is so good. And, and and you know he, I love Raphael Sadiq for the same reason I love Q Tip, which is that like he's somebody that's just all about like just making a great musical product. Like he 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 will put his ego entirely to the side. Like he was talking about working on um. Uh, Solange's album, yeah, you know, he and the, he was, and, yeah, and he was just like, he was like, yeah, well, you know, like she had some ideas, so I just got the fuck out of her way. I did what she asked me. Yeah, to he do, gives her a I lot just, of credit yeah, for that. He like, gives her all the credit for, yeah. for that album. So I mean, he's he's just amazing. And and one of the things that he said in one of his more recent interviews when, when he talked about instant vintage was he said, you know, he said when hip hop came along, I was like, what the fuck is up with those drums? Like their drums are so amazing that he's like, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to do drums anymore because my drums don't didn't sound like how these hip hop guys' drums were. And he was talking about how instant vintage was where he like figured out how to get his drums on some hip hop shit. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, those drums are some hip hop drums. Yeah, be here, Knox. Yo, Raphael Steve wants album. to be hip hop. He wants to be a hip hop artist, man. If you listen to every interview with him, it's always like, For sure. somebody let this man just rap on something because he wants to be a rapper so he bad. Does. Like, he, really he does. wants to be a hip hop artist. Like, he's he's he enjoys his career, but if he could do it all over again, my man would have been like in hieroglyphics or something. And he like, really he would have been one of the. He'd have been. He'd have been on ninety three till and, he would have been and, in somebody's. And his budget. life story is more gangster than most rappers. Really? So, yeah, yeah, he's been through, he's been he's through been a through lot. It. Yeah, his family been through a lot. Yeah, he um, has a big family and he's lost most of his siblings. But he wanted yeah. to be a hip hop head so, so badly. That's the one thing I take from every interview. I actually he, got a chance to talk Oakland, to him right? too. Yeah, he's from yeah, Oakland. He's from yeah. Oakland. Um, I had a chance to to interview him once about uh, I think it was when Mudbone came out and he uh. He did, I guess the song they did with Mary J. Blige ends up winning the, the okay. Grammy or whatever. Okay. He did and, that song? Yeah, he was one of the producers. Or he was uh, one of the producers okay. on it or something. He won a Grammy for Mudbone okay. some, somehow. Yeah, and yeah. that came up in the conversation. We were talking. I was like, yeah, I really feel like you're just a hip-hop hit of heart. He's like, man, you you get it? You see? Like, <laughs> like, he, it, was like, it was like I said the thing he wanted to hear so All badly. Right. He was so... He, after that, he talked to me for like another hour. He was like, That's man, we talking anything you want to, bro. You, any that's conversation. Bro, he's one of my musical idols. I yeah, love Rafael Sadiq, man. Yeah. So that that's that's my last one. I can't even remember the first time I heard Instant Vintage. I actually think it was like late aughts, to be honest. Because I was going back, you know, you know how I felt about Neil So for the longest time, right? Like I kind of just like rebelled against a lot of stuff just because it was it was it was coming out frequently. It all kind of sounded the same. And it was like people were like thought I was supposed to like it. I was like, nah. And so- Outlaw hates anything he's supposed to <laughs> exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. So I think I just kind of waited, right? 
And the other thing too is like Haas and I were becoming closer friends, and we were we were doing like some collaborative like artwork together. We wanted to do like because we we had done a Bob Marley like collaborative piece, but we wanted to do some other artists. And I think I was like, you know what? Let me go and fi- finally go and get it and get, and get into this instant vintage because I like the song still Ray. I like the song Be Here, right? Like and I, and I like I like Raphael Sadiq. So let me go ahead and get into this. Um, and I think it was probably sometime around like I don't know. 06, 07, 08, 09, sometime when I finally like listened to it. The album that I think I need to go back and revisit is Lucy Pearl because I heard that in depth in, in high school because Koi had it and I borrowed it. And with the exception of a few songs, I remember not really liking it. So I wonder if, I wonder if we could do, I don't know if it, like a tribute or make it a classic or something about that album. Definitely not a make it a classic. Because you think <laughs> it is a classic? I, I, uh, yeah. I do. Yeah, well, then we can I, do a tribute I, to it. It yeah. is. I wrote. I actually wrote an article about that album because I, so I don't. I don't feel like need it, Panama because I don't feel like it gets the flowers it deserves. I, like, I genuinely think it's that good of an album. Like it's, I now I hate the I hate Lucy Pearl as a name, and and you could tell they really didn't put a lot of thought. And I, I was watching, maybe it was 106 in Park when they were on there or something like that, or, and they asked Rafael Sadiq what the name was. He's like, yeah, because it's you know the music is loose. You know what I'm saying? It shines like a pearl. I was like, man, you needed a much better <laughs> answer than that. That's dumb as hell. But. <laughs> You know, but as a yeah. just as like a one-off album, like that should have been more than it was. Yeah. You know, like as just like Dance Tonight is such a good record. Yeah, it is very good. Like record. it's it's just it's a really good album. I feel like it hurts Rafael Sadiq's soul every time he gets asked about it too, because it seems like Dawn was just like thought she was bigger than the group from the beginning. Yeah, I mean everybody <laughs> said she was really hard to work with. Like yeah. it was just difficult. Like she basically just bailed on yeah, them. Bailed, you know, exactly. when it was time to talk about doing tours yeah. and record, it was just. You know, I'm, yeah. you know, and 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 um, Muhammad. Uh, oh my goodness, Ali, Ali. Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, he's so diplomatic about everything. Right, like, he's all very the time. straight. You know, he just, you know, yeah. just, and I'd be like, man, just how you really feel, bro. Right. Just like, you know, it's like, yeah, I just wanted to fight everybody. <laughs> so, so to wrap it up, we got life after death. We've got the Cali Kings, and Cali the- Kings, and uh, the Source Hip Hop Hits '97. And then we have, um, is it my, my, uh, Infamous and ATL Stage One and the China? Uh, Black, Black Chinese. Jack Chinese. And then the Instant Vintage. Right. Any uh, any surprises there, Panama? I mean, I definitely wouldn't have seen the or, compilations or, coming, but, okay. you know, it makes sense. I mean, when, you know, because I've listened to you all's podcasts so long, I've gotten, I probably learned more about you all through those than actually just knowing you, right? You know, because you <laughs> right. you learn things, and when you when you like when you listen to things so frequently, you get the, you start to understand the rhythm. So mm. it makes sense. Like I, I can see it. Like I can I can get it, and I I, I also can get how you all sensibilities are different yeah. about about certain things because you all have very mm. different sensibilities about yeah. even the same albums, right? Just right. the yeah. the approach to it. So it's always funny when you all yeah. when I can tell you guys want to argue about something. <laughs> um, you know, like or the the things like the things that really like trigger the the, the two of you is like about a piece of music. It's but that, it's that funny. It's interesting. One of the things that Outlaw said today that you know I've always envied people that have older brothers or like people that like have like musical influences that they can like absorb because I never had them, and and that's part of the right. reason why the compilations were such a big thing, right? Because like. I had to educate yeah. myself about all these things because I didn't have somebody to be like, oh, you should listen to Nas or you should listen to this person. Like, I, I just had to figure it out myself. And, and that's why the compilations were so It's Well, it's so interesting to talk about Adrian because if I were to say like, if someone were to ask me like, hey, what was what is Adrian an expert on musically? I would have said, oh, alternative rock, right? But then like, 
you also see all these dancehall CDs and go-go <laughs> CDs and 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 hip hop stuff. Like, why is he what? Like, it's just, it's just <laughs> I I don't even really think he understood it at the time um, dope, that though. he was that he had an expensive. You know, he never really got into jazz or anything like that. But I don't think he realized how expensive his taste was. Um, I mean, that's how my sister was. My older sister, like, I don't think she. You know, I've I've always credited her with my own like hip hop, like. Me stealing her CDs and album and, and the tapes that she would get from other people and then burning and then, you know copying them and then you know trying to sneak them back in whatever is how I learned about everything. I mean, literally every for probably like a five until she graduated from high school in '92. Everything up until that point that I knew about music was because of what my sister was listening to and what she brought into the house and I had an opportunity to take. And then even you know she introduced me to Jay Z like and she's the one. The first time I ever saw the Reasonable Doubt CD was at my sister's house. I was sitting on the floor. I was like, what is that? She's like, yo, you need to listen to this. She put me on a Jay-Z. You know, like my oldest sister really unintentionally just kind of put me up on everything. You know, and she was, I, I told y'all before, she was hanging with the damn, um, you know, she was part of the, 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 Oh, the dungeon family. The dungeon. You know, she <laughs> was hanging like, with these people. And, I feel like you we know, need to get her on the podcast. Yeah, that's good. Know, right? It's like, you know, she she was just a part, I think because of how her age and where she is and what, what she was able to introduce me to. And your, your brother's older, right? So it's like, she was just a part of all these things and just innately handed it down to me because I was looking for it. That's dope. You know? Yeah, I think one of the reasons, you know, Ken Dog is like one of my best friends, right? Is, is, is you know, if not my best friend, like we were both oldest kids in our family, both Nigerian kids. Um, but, you know, we we would trade music. And so, you know, he, I didn't, I didn't have an older brother. He didn't have an older brother. So he was my guy that I talked to about music. Yo, you heard that new this? Oh, you heard that new that? And we would trade music and tape things for each other and, and et cetera. And so I feel like a lot of our relationship developed out of us being these kids that just had this hunger to, to learn more about music and like learn about all these artists and shit like that. So. Is, he, is he Ebo? Yeah, Kenichi? Uh no, actually, uh, he, he he that's not his name, but that is a a, a popular Ebo name. Um, are there any surprise exclusions on uh on Yinka's list? What do you think? It's not much West Coast on there. I was I'm, I, I'm I was surprised I was too. expecting there would be. Yeah. I when you said Doggy Style, Doggy you said style, no. Yeah. I, I was surprised by that. Yeah, that's why I was like the Chronic because yeah. I mean the Chronic is definitely one of my albums that changed the way like. You hear the story like from Fab Five Freddy who talks about when they first heard the Chronic and people was like climbing over each other trying to hear this, and I'm like 13 when the Chronic and I had that experience like oh my god what is this? Not only am I surprised that there's not a West Coast album. I mean you had the Cali Kings, but not only am I surprised that there's not an, an album from an actual West Coast artist, but also no album that like they sampled. So so no like funk CD or whatever that's on there. Like that's that's kind of what throws so, me a little bit. So I would say there was a DJ Quick album that I that I, I would have considered that's honorable which mention. One? Uh, under the Influence, actually, which is which is crazy because no DJ yeah. Quick fan will ever yeah. tell you Under the Influence is the one. But, but yeah, I'm a that, safe and sound guy. That was, <laughs> safe and sound changed my life. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been Under the Influence. And then uh, probably would have been uh, Curtis Mayfield, the, the Superfly joint. Um, I could see that. Those yeah, are the only... And, and, and again, I told you, it's very difficult for me to pinpoint a specific funk or soul album because yeah. I'm so... Yeah. But that's the one that I just play over and over and over again. And it's funny you say that because I actually thought heavily about... When I was trying to think of albums that influenced me, I in my head, I'm like, there got to be like one soul. It's like, is it that Donny Hathaway? Eh, no, not really. Like, I just love it. Like, I just love it for what it is. Like, I kept going through all these albums, Curtis Mayfield records and all these things that 
definitely helped expand the way that I thought about music, but none of them were like, you know, like I think I told you all what well, part of the thing that brought up that conversation was like DJ Shadows introducing was like, it changed the way that I understood hip hop, you know, like because I always viewed it as a certain very formulaic. And then this is like instrumental, but it's hip hop as fuck. And the same thing happened with Dilla's Donuts, right? Like I listened to that and I'm like, again, another inflection point. Oh, you can do this with hip hop. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, uh, but I kept thinking that there was going to have to be a jazz album. Like I was going to like force it like a Ahmad Jamal album because I love Ahmad Jamal so much. But I was like, eh, you know, like I, I love this album because of the samples and because it showed me, oh, this is how you, this is how you mine for good samples. But <laughs> right. it didn't really do that for me. So I, I guess I, I understand. Yeah. I, I can get that because a lot of the albums for me were more recent albums or definitely aren't going to be like 70s and 80s albums. Like, I guess like the David Axelrod and stuff like that, like those, because, you know, he came out then. But most of that is just because of how they made music and how I listened to it and how it impacted the way that I, like when I'm mixing things down, like how I hear it, you know, like kind of like a technician, you know, like just, just that end of it. So I don't know that I feel like I learned anything specific about you from those choices. Um, it makes sense for me, especially as I listen to your music too. Like, 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 like understanding what helped create the artist that you are. Um, because I actually, I like the the last project. What's the last project you put out? Uh, it was like an EP. The discovery. Oh, uh, yeah, no, discovery. Discover. You discovery. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I really enjoyed that. I like. Yeah, I, I actually it, enjoyed that. Like, the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. On God, I'm spit it. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, I listened yeah, to that because yeah. you know it's funny. I'm like, I try to like juxtapose the version of you that sits here and talks about these albums <laughs> on top of the guy who's rapping because it's almost like two different people. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't mean that in a negative way, but right. but like I get it. Like listening to your music, like the things that influence you musically and stuff like that, and how right. like I I can understand it. Yeah. And uh, it help. I think what it does it help me understand you as an artist mm. as much as I feel like I understand you listening to you like break down albums and talk about stuff. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's funny because you know discovery is a part of you know this this kind of package of, of of things that I'm doing called code switch. And so I mean I think it's that's kind of what it what it's all about, right? It's like being somebody who, you know, I'm African and I'm American. You know, I'm I'm an engineer and, you know, I'm this dude that's from the IE. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, kind of being able to or or having to kind of code switch between, you know, just different present yourself in different ways. You know what I'm saying? One thing I will say in this I think this makes sense because of the military brat background kind of thing, right? Like, I think most people who grow up in mili- like in the military, you you live in so many different places, you gain so much. Like, you learn about so many different cultures just by virtue of being in the middle of them, right? So it makes sense to me that you would have such a like. So you got the the reggae, the that you have the the cal, you have the. It makes sense as those compilations that have like tons of different types of music on them because I feel like. That's probably why I'm so open-minded about music too, because I've experienced so much and seen so much in life. Like I never got stuck in one way of doing things. It's just like, well, everything is on the table because I grew up with everything on the table because I'm hanging out with Turkish kids and German kids. And we're all listening to the various music that we listen to. And it just happens to be all over the damn place. Right. So that, that part does make make a lot of sense to me that like compilations of things would be in there because it, it's like, it gives you everything, right. It gives you the opportunity to get, a lot of the, a lot at once, and the code switch thing is funny too, because you know, I mean, like I, I I brought my girl around my family in in Chicago, right? And it's just like you know, we're we're in 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 the super hood on the south side of Chicago. People got missing teeth, you know, got guns, <laughs> all type of shit like that. And it's like, it's like she's like, I could never see you 
and see this. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, it's all kind of this gumbo yeah. pot of kind of my identity. The the Cali gang shit, the, you know, old Chicago South Side shit. You know what I'm saying? It's all just kind of a part of of, of that. So it's kind of like the military shit. Like yeah, I mean, about. but that that makes complete that <laughs> makes complete sense. Like I I love I love how these things help forge out discussions about identity because that's that's what mm. it's like. Your your top five is does that right? It's a right. basic discussion about your your own identity and how you view yourself and what what helps shape identity. And I right, think right, that's right. what I think that fleshes out for me about you, especially as I listen to your music <laughs> and listen to you discuss things in here on the on this podcast. Right. I think the only thing that I I learned was that there's no with the exception of I guess of the dance hall, there's no album that kind of deviates you in a way away from hip hop music that you would deem influential because I know that you like I know how expensive your taste is, right? Mm-hmm. But with the like the only album that signified that was something that was, you know, a dance hall and, and like a like um this this Sean Paul stage one and the dance hall compilation. Yet I know you listen to other different yeah, yeah. Th- different pieces of music. And I think it surprised me that how you would evaluate like your musical taste. There was no other album that you deemed as like to be like an influential piece for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean think it's, I was just it's difficult though, you know, again, like we were talking about, like it, even your 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 pick with with the nine inch nails joint, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I feel like there's so many pieces of music, you know, um menagerie, you know, that album. Like there's there's albums that like there's songs on there that were mind-blowing mm-hmm. to me, but like the whole album isn't one that I would say gotcha. are my five most influential. Gotcha. And I think the other thing to consider is um is time frame. Mm-hmm. I think I was probably the most impressionable in middle school okay. and probably got less and less impressionable and impressed over time, right? Yeah. So I can hear something that's amazing today, but I'm a man in my mid-30s. So, you gotcha. know, it's probably not going to impress upon me in the same way that hearing instant vintage in high school, you know, made me like gotcha. mind blown. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for uh, Yinka's top five influential albums. Yep. 
So chrome for situations like this. I'm up in his broad, I know he don't like this. Now I'm like, bitch, you better talk to him before the fifth put a spark to him. Fuck around, shit, get dark to him. Put a part through him, lose a major part to him. Arm, leg, she begging me to stop, but this cat getting closer. Getting hot like a toaster, a cop's toast, uh. Before my eyes could blink, she screams out, honey, bring me up something to drink. He go back downstairs, more time to think. My brain racing, she's telling me to stay patient. She don't know I'm cool as a fan, got in hand. I don't want to blast her man, but I can and I will, though. I'm trying to chill, though, even though the situation looking kind of ill, yo. It came to me like a song I wrote. Told the bitch, give me a soft pillowcase and rope. Got dressed quick, tied a scarf around my face. Broke the bitch up, gagged her mouth with the pillowcase. Played the cut, nigga coming on some love close to shit. Flashed the heat on him, he stood emotionless. Dropped the glass, screaming, don't blast. Here's the stash, a hundred cash. Just don't shoot my ass, please. Nigga pulling mad cheese out the floor. Put stacks in the pot of knapsack. Hit the door, grab the keys to the five. Call my niggas on the cell, bring some weed, I got a story.